In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of Abib, and in the readings of today, we read about the famous miracle of the feeding of the multitude, um, when the Lord asked the disciples to make the multitude of people sit down in groups of 50, and he multiplied the five loaves and the two fish so that they could all eat. But before he did this miracle, Christ actually asked uh, the, the, the disciples to participate in some way. At first, in verse 13, he says to them, you give them something to eat. That was the first thing he said when, when the disciples told him, there are many people here and it's getting late and it's time for them to go home because they're going to be very hungry. The Lord did not want to send them away, but he said to the disciples, you give them something to eat. And then after he was committed to actually feeding them, he asked the disciples to do work by uh, uh, arranging the people and so on. So the Lord is asking us to serve with him. And whenever we are called to serve the Lord in some way, whether that means service in the church or service in our families or service in, in, in you know, whatever it is that we are serving, um, we have to be responsible and feel like we are taking upon ourselves a responsibility for something to be completed, for some service that we are responsible for to be completed. And one of the problems that we might have in the church is we don't have enough people who feel responsibility. Or really in the whole world, a problem that we have is we don't have enough people that feel like they take responsibility. It's easy for me to say someone else will do it, someone else will take care of it, someone else is already uh, you know, committed to doing something, and so I don't have to do any kind of commitment, I don't have to be responsible. But actually, we see that the Lord asks us as believers to be responsible in many different things, and we ha should have this attitude of responsibility and thinking about how is it that I can serve the Lord, not to kind of put it on somebody else, but to, to, to take it upon myself. So I'm going to speak a little bit about some of the characteristics of a responsible person. The first characteristic of a responsible person is that they own others' mistakes and takes actions, take actions to correct them. Not even just owning our own mistakes, but owning the mistakes of other people that we are responsible for and feeling that we have a responsibility and a duty to them. Just because somebody fails or, or makes a mistake or does something wrong doesn't mean that now it is that person's problem alone. Because actually, just as in the example that St. Paul the Apostle gives, that the church is as a body. And when the church is a body, then we are all either rising or falling together. That when there is one element of the body that is sick, then the whole body is sick with it. And when one element of the body needs extra attention, it is the responsibility of the other parts of the body to make up for what is lacking and to help to heal this part of the body. This is what makes the church uh, a community, and that's why about the fellowship of the church. This is, this is the importance of coming to a communal place and worshiping God together, as opposed to just each person on their own worshiping God separately and on their own. A perfect example of someone who owned the mistakes of others is Abigail. Abigail was uh, a godly woman, and she was married to a foolish man named Nabal. And this man, Nabal, um, was, was a very foolish man. And King David at the time, he was uh, protecting the, the shepherds and the flocks of Nabal and the other people that were living in the area. So when it came time um, for, for a feast, King David asked of Nabal to give him some food um, so that he could eat. And Nabal refused. And so King David became very, very furious at him to the point where King David decided that he was going to kill Nabal because of his refusing to give him his request, even though King David has been helping him and protecting him and so on. Abigail, at the same time, um, also a 
you know, saw that her husband was a fool, not just in the way he responded in this situation, but in general. And yet she took it upon herself to be the person to reconcile and to bring peace between uh, David and Nabal. She went on her own and she went and cooked food by herself and presented this food to King David and his men so that he would not come and to destroy Nabal. So she saw actually the, the foolishness of both of them in that point. Nabal was foolish for not offering David what is it that he had asked for and King David was foolish for taking it upon himself to kill Nabal and Abigail being like the only wise and sane person in this situation looked at it and said there is something that I can do to calm the situation down and to make it to be there to be peace again and so she took it upon herself. She, she, there's nothing that forced her to do so and there was no person who told her to do so but she simply felt this responsibility and she was successful in doing that. So when we see other people around us maybe failing in some way or making a mistake in some way, we should not adopt the attitude of, well, this is their problem. No, we should take it as, this is my problem. This is something that is an opportunity for me to serve another person, to help another person, to show love to another person, and to maybe teach a person what is it, that, how is it that they should respond in a certain situation. Second characteristic of a responsible person is someone who is moved by zeal toward others and toward other situations and things that we feel very strongly about. A good example of this is Nehemiah. Nehemiah, when he was serving in a foreign land, he heard that uh, the, the walls of Jerusalem had, been, had fallen down and thus leaving the city of Jerusalem completely unprotected so that anyone could come and to destroy the city and to, to conquer the city. And so he felt this very strong zeal in his heart that even though he lived completely in a different country and he had a completely different occupation and he was not even living in Jerusalem and yet because of this strong zeal that he had toward his people and toward his city he decided that he was going to ask permission from the king in order for him to go and to be uh, responsible for building the walls of Jerusalem. Again it would have been so easy for him to say this is somebody else's problem. There is someone else who is living in Jerusalem. It is those people who have to figure out what is it that they need to do in order to fix their city and to build the walls. And I'm sure there's other people that can handle it. But actually he took it upon himself and he said, no, I have to take an action on this. And he ended up being the one who was leading the whole effort to rebuilding the walls again. So his zeal and his love for his people is what called him to act. And again, maybe we, we see... Uh, things around us that need to be corrected. We see uh, good causes around us. We see people that need to be served. And instead of me thinking, well, that is, again, the responsibility of another person. Maybe there's other servants in the church that already have this responsibility. Maybe somebody else is already taking care of it. Instead, I should take some kind of action. Even if that action is simply, let me go ask and see if someone is aware of this situation. Let me make it known. Let me do some my part in participating in it. Because again, if I feel really a sense of responsibility, then this is um, what I should do. Third characteristic of a responsible person is serving others without waiting for an invitation. An example of this is St. Mary. St. Mary, when she heard about her cousin Elizabeth, St. Elizabeth, that she was pregnant, she decided that she was going to go and to serve her. Uh, St. Elizabeth did not ask for this, and nor was she expecting it to happen, but St. Mary decided out of her love for her cousin that she was going to go and serve her cousin. Even though St. Mary was uh, pregnant herself, even though St. Mary had just been told that she was the mother of God, um, and all these other things in her life, and maybe hardships, and they were, they were not uh, wealthy, they were very poor people, and yet she still decided she was going to go and serve her cousin uh, Elizabeth. 
we oftentimes also are not paying attention to the needs of the other people around us. And maybe sometimes we are waiting for people to ask us to do something, but all that we can, in whatever way that we can, if we have our eyes open to see the needs of other people around us and try to, again, say, no, I can do something. There is something that is in my hands that I can do it. It is not just the responsibility of another person to take care of it, even if they did not ask me. Sometimes people in the church, for instance, wait for someone to come and ask them to perform a kind of a service. And, and that does happen. But that's not the only way that I can serve. What is it that I see around me that needs to be done? What is, how is it that I can help? Maybe I can volunteer. Maybe I can take some initiative and seek that out. Another characteristic of a responsible person is someone who is willing to sacrifice to save others. It's one thing when my responsibility is in the form of giving advice or doing some kind of action. Okay, but if my responsibility is actually for me to sacrifice myself for the sake of other people, it takes on a completely different form and a completely different level of responsibility. An example of this is Esther the queen. Esther, she was living in the palace, though she was a Hebrew person, and um, all of her people were sentenced to death, that they were going to be slaughtered and killed. And so she took it on herself to go and supplicate the king. And at that time, in order for you to go supplicate the king and to go to the king to speak to him without being summoned was considered, um, you know, you could be killed because you go and try to speak to the king without being summoned. And yet, because of the great risk, uh, she took a great risk in order to go speak to the king and to, to essentially offer her life for the sake of her people if he refused, um, in order for, to supplicate him to protect uh, her people from, from death. So this is an example of a person, again, who felt a kind of responsibility which requires me to make a, a change in my own life. Maybe, maybe my life has to be disrupted in order for me to serve another person. And this is the greatest kind of service, is, is a kind where it's not, I'm not giving out of my abundance, but I'm giving out of you know, the little that I have. And by giving, I, I'm not speaking about money. I'm speaking about maybe my time. Maybe for us nowadays, our time is more valuable than money because we have so little time and, and time is so precious to us and how we spend our time and who we spend our time on. For me to take some of my time and to sacrifice it, to give it to other people, again, and see this as a responsibility. It is not that I'm doing this as something extra, like an extracurricular activity in my life that I am condescending and deciding that I'm going to use my time to help another person but that actually I consider this to be part of my role as a believer, as a, as a, as a worshiper of God, as a, as, a, as a lover of mankind, the way that God is a lover of mankind and we are called to be like him, that we sacrifice ourselves to help other people that are in need, even if it means I have to change my plans, even if it means that I have to give up something that I liked or something that I wanted to do, maybe God is calling us to serve another person when it is even inconvenient to do so. And this is the true sign of love, is whenever I actually sacrifice of myself, this is the way that the Lord showed his love to us by sacrificing of himself to give us salvation. Uh, a fifth characteristic of a responsible person is someone who is very attentive and considerate to the feelings and weaknesses of other people. Uh, an example is th of this happened in the New Testament um, with regards to the converts to Christianity from the pagan religions, from the Gentiles. And these pagans, when they were coming to Christianity, many of them had previously worshipped gods and had offered different sacrifices to these other gods. And so for them, these sacrifices that were offered, which would then be sold 
uh, in the meat market so that people could buy them and eat their meat. For, for these, for these uh, new Christians who had previously been pagans who were worshiping other gods, to them it was a big stumbling block for them to eat this meat that has been sacrificed to idols because it reminds them too much of their old life and can actually be a means of which uh, to try to go back to that old life again after having left it. So there was a kind of a controversy in the church at the time of whether it is okay for a Christian to eat the meat sacrificed to idols or not. And um, in the end, St. Paul, he says this. He says, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. And he did not argue against whether the actual eating of this meat was wrong. He actually, he said, there is nothing wrong with eating this meat. But for the sake of what, he said, your, uh, your weaker brother to make him stumble or offend him for the sake of doing this practice, which otherwise is not wrong in and of itself, but simply when I do it and be seen by others doing it and them knowing that I do it, that this could be a stumbling block for them, then I should avoid it completely. So sometimes we don't ask this question is, how are my words affecting others? How is my dress and appearance affecting others? How is my decisions and actions, how are they affecting others? And even if there is something that is lawful in and of itself and not necessarily wrong to be done, and yet if it has a negative effect, a negative impact on other people, here St. Paul is saying, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles. Again, we are responsible for one another, even for our, each other's salvation. Obviously, each person makes a choice in themselves of how they want to behave, but I play a role in that. Am I a source of, uh, of holiness and righteousness serving as an example to other people in order for them to grow in their spiritual life, in their relationship with God, or am I the opposite? Am I a bad influence, someone who corrupts the nature of others to make them to do what I do, to bring them lower rather than to lift them up higher? Again, it's easy for me to say this is none of my business. It's easy for me to say, well, I'm just living my own life. I'm making my decisions for myself. Other people don't have to do what I do. And yet here St. Paul tells us and the scripture tells us that our actions matter. Our actions matter when they are seen by others and when other people know what it is that we're doing, how is it that we live. This is either going to lift people up and inspire them or bring them down. I recently was at the monastery and I, I experienced this myself. Just being among the monks, just seeing the way that they live their life without them having said a single sermon, without them preaching in any way, simply being there and seeing the life that they live is an inspiration because they choose to live a life of holiness. And similarly, when we are with people who choose to live a life that is the opposite of that, even without us realizing it, we are affected by them. And so here the Lord calls us to be responsible even in the way that we are acting and, and being considerate of the feelings and the weaknesses of others. Another characteristic of a responsible person is a person who considers that every gift is also a responsibility. Everything that the Lord gives us as a gift or a talent is also a responsibility. When the Lord gives us a family, this family is a gift but it's also a responsibility for us to serve them and to take care of them. When the Lord gives us a friend, it is a gift for us, but it's also a responsibility that when that friend is in need, when that friend is suffering, then now it is my responsibility to serve them and to help them and not to only be a friend to those people when everything is going fine in their life and they are not any type of burden on me at all, 
but actually burden is a part of friendship for me to sacrifice myself for the sake of my friends work it's a gift that the lord gives us work and a career and a job and and a, and a salary but yet it is also a responsibility that now i am called to live a certain way i'm called to go on time to work i'm called to do my best at work as far as i'm able to do it, it's a it's a responsibility for me to work well with the other people around me and to be faithful and a good steward in the work that god has given so it is both a gift and a responsibility the, the money that I receive from God, it is a gift of God, it's a blessing, but it is also a responsibility. How, how am I going to use this money that the Lord has given me? Am I going to use it completely and only for myself, or am I also going to share it with others? Am I going to use it for godly purposes, or am I going to use it for ungodly purposes? It is a gift and a responsibility. The seventh characteristic of a responsible person is, is that they keep their promises. There is kind of an obscure story in the book of Jeremiah. And in this story, there is a group of people called the Rechabites. These people had an ancestor um, who was named Rechab. And this man, Rechab, had a son whose name was Jonadab. Jonadab had commanded his family from that point on for the rest of the generations that they would drink no alcohol forever, that they would never drink alcohol. And it, we read about them in Jeremiah chapter 35. It says what? We will drink no wine, for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, you nor your sons, forever. You shall not build a house, sow seed, plant a vineyard, nor have any of these. But all your days you shall dwell in tents, that you may live many days in the land where you are sojourners. This, is, this is was his command, and this is what he said. And his family agreed to this vow of taking this vow. Generations later, these people are still living according to the vow that they had taken, that even their ancestors had taken, not to uh, build houses, but to dwell in tents and not to drink any alcohol. So it would have been very easy for these people or any one of them to say, what do I have to do with this vow that was taken? What is it that I have to do with this promise that was made? A, a very long time ago. I'm not the one who made this vow. Somebody made the vow on my behalf. Somebody said this. And yet, they are even following this and obeying this. This was actually a stark contrast even to the Israelites. Because the Israelites did not keep their vows. The Israelites did not continue to practice and to serve God and to worship God the way that they had, their ancestors had been commanded. And yet, these people, the Rechabites, were doing so and, and they were being very faithful in it. Someone who is responsible, keeps their promises, keeps their vows, and so we should be very careful what it is that we are promising. Our promise should be something that is valuable, something that when we offer it, we keep it, and it means something. Maybe all of us know people that we kind of take everything they say with a grain of salt. We take everything that they say as in, okay, if they say it, maybe 20% chance it's actually going to happen. Maybe we know people like that. We don't want to be people like that. We want to be a person who, whenever we say something that we are going to do, we will do our absolute best in order to do it, and we will not make promises that we cannot keep. Again, this is another sign of responsibility. The last characteristic of a responsible person I want to mention is someone who, who finishes the tasks that they start. Um, it's very easy sometimes and exciting to start new tasks um, when we are, you know, we, we like to change and we like to start new things. Um, and, and, you know, it's much harder to maintain and it's much harder to complete. And I see this um, in many of the services in the church. It's easy to say, you know what, we want to start a new service. 
We want to start a new thing that we begin to do. And maybe at the beginning, there is responsibility, there is attention to it, there is, um, there, 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 there is follow-up with it. But then at some point, it doesn't become new anymore. It's not, it's not new, it's now become old. And it's not as exciting as it was before. And maybe we feel like now I really don't want to participate in it so much. And I don't put as much effort into it and everything starts to fall, right? This is, this is not responsibility. The same is true with our spiritual life. Sometimes when people are like embarking on a new journey in their spiritual life of trying to pray more and maybe fast for the first time and read the Bible for the first time and do everything for the first time, there is some kind of motivation and zeal associated with that. And so we feel excited and interested in trying to do it. And we set goals for ourselves and we want to meet those goals. But what happens when I've already read the Bible many times and I've already gotten used to fasting for many years and I've already done a lot of the things that I set out to do, the question is, can I continue? The Lord said what? That he who endures to the end will be saved. The one who finishes his task, not the one who starts the task, right? It's the one who finishes. The one who finishes is the one who is going to be able to, um, to get the reward in the end. So whether it be in a service in the church, whether it be a project in my own house, whether it be a spiritual, uh, from a spiritual perspective or whatever the case might be, we need to be very careful. The Lord spoke this parable about the man who decided to build a tower, but he didn't know how, many, how much materials it would take to complete the tower, and so he started to build and then he could not continue, right? We want to be able to continue. We want to be able to finish. This is a sign of a responsible person to finish whatever we start. So we can ask the question then, who is it that I'm responsible for? And in what scope am I responsible? The first is myself. I'm responsible for myself. I cannot point to others for my failures. I cannot point to others and say, the reason that I failed is because of such and such person or to a circumstance around me and say, the reason that I failed is because of such and such circumstance. Certainly there are factors, whether it be from other people or from other circumstances that might affect whether we are successful in something or not. But a responsible person in the end looks at themselves and say, I am responsible. I am the one that is responsible. Responsible for what? I'm responsible for my salvation. Doesn't mean that I am doing the work of salvation. That is the work of the Savior. But I have a role to play in my salvation. I have something to do in my salvation. Who is it that is going to come to church and take communion? It's me, and it's no one else. Who is it that's going to confess their sins? It's me, it's no one else. I am the one who has to choose. How is it that I will live? This is a responsibility. I am responsible for my, my work, for instance. When I study and I work, and, I ha and, I, and whether it be I'm in school or I'm working, I'm the one responsible for doing this job. I'm the one that is responsible for learning. Um, I'm responsible for how I use my talents. God gives us all talents. And he says, here are your talents. These are the things that you are good at. Go and use them. Go and use these talents. Who is responsible for making that happen? It's me. I'm the one who has to, to do that. I'm also responsible for my family, whether it be my parents or my spouse or my children. I have responsibility to them. I can't live my life only for myself without thinking about them and placing them actually before me and thinking what is in their best interest, not just what is in my personal best interest. I also have a responsibility to the church. The church does not run because of the 10, 20, or 30 servants that happen to be involved and engaged that end up doing everything. That is not how church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to have every single person participating in something. 
right? And not just relying on a few core people that if those people leave for whatever reason, or if those people can't continue their service for whatever reason, then the church collapses. We can't have the attitude where I'm just relying on those people. Those people I point up there, those people over there, they're the ones that are doing everything and I'm reaping the benefits of their service. I'm reaping the benefits of their time, of their sacrifice. That's not how church works. And that's not how the church can work. Even from the financial perspective as well. I can't focus on those 20 or 30 families that happen to be donating regularly and I say, you know what, well the church is functioning just fine. I don't have to give anything because other people are doing it for me. That is not responsibility and that's actually not even the commandment of God. The last thing is I'm responsible for others. As I said at the beginning, I'm responsible for others around me. How is it that I can serve them? God places me in the lives of other people so that I can be a blessing to them and not just to escape that responsibility and say, I have nothing to do with them. I have nothing to say. I have no, I have no, I have no input in their life. No, maybe there is something I can do. Maybe there is something I can help. What are the rewards of the responsible people? The first reward of the responsible person, which is the best reward, is the favor of God. That, I, I, that God sees me and gives me this crown of responsibility. That he sees me as a person who is able to serve others, that cares about others. Someone like Moses the prophet, whom we're studying in the book of Exodus in the Bible study. He is a person who, even though he was 80 years old, and he was ready to retire, he was ready to live life w without any other responsibility, him having his own wife and his own children, and yet he gave all of this up to go and be the leader of a million people of Israelites who were stubborn in order to free them from Pharaoh in Egypt. And he continued his role serving them in the desert, in the wilderness, though they rejected him, though they were stubborn, though they refused to obey, for 40 years wandering in the wilderness. He gave himself up for them, and the Lord gave, he gained great favor in the eyes of God because of his sacrifice for them, because of his intercession for them. So the first reward of a responsible person is that God's favor upon us, God's blessing, God's reward directly to us in whatever form it might come. Another reward of responsibility is the trust and the love of other people. We all know of specific people in our lives that we look at them and we say, this is a very responsible person. I can rely on this person. When we are in the most need, there is a person that you know of that I can call, that they will be there for me 100% of the time. They will do whatever needs to be done, even if it means they don't sleep, even if it means they sacrifice whatever it is they sacrifice. We know people like that. Hopefully we do. Those are the responsible people. God wants us to be like that. He wants us, he wants us to, to, to be there for others when they need us. And just as for those responsible people, we look to them, we trust them, we love them, we have such great appreciation for them, that is another reward of being responsible, is receiving that from others. The third reward of being responsible is that we are promoted for more responsibility. The Lord said that he who is faithful with little will be given much. And in the parable of the talents, the person who was faithful with the talents, he was given cities because he was faithful with the talents. And this is the Lord speaking to us. And he's saying, when you are faithful with the little, I will give you more. And you will be responsible for more. And when you're faithful with that, I will give you more still. And this responsibility, we shouldn't look at it, you know, like a lot of times at work, people are like, you know, I got promoted. It means I have a lot more work, but no more money. Um, a lot of times we look at it like that. When it comes to serving God, we, are, we, are, we, are, we should be joyful at the responsibility that God gives us, even if it means more work, even if it means more suffering. Do you think the prophets that God called to be prophets, that they didn't suffer? They suffered for the sake of their service. You know, a parent, a father or a mother 
who is having more children is suffering for the sake of their children. It's giving up and sacrificing of themselves for the sake of their children. But this is a source of joy. This is not a source, should not be a source of pain. It shouldn't be something we run away from, but it should be something that we see as a blessing from God that he wants us to work with him. The last point I want to make is <clears throat> just mentioning briefly some irresponsible statements that maybe we hear and that maybe we ourselves say or maybe we at least think in our head um, that maybe could be a way for us, us to help realize whether we are responsible or not. Am I the kind of person who thinks in a responsible way? The first is, am I my, am I my brother's keeper? Am I the one responsible for my brother, for my sister, for my neighbor, for my friend, for my family member? Am I the one responsible? You know, this is, this, this is an attitude that I have no responsibility. Or saying what, it is not my fault. Sometimes the first time somebody might be confronted with some mistake that they made, the first thing that they do is they begin to defend themselves without even seriously considering what was said. Is it, is it really my fault um, or not? But sometimes we just respond and say, no, it is not my fault. Why me? Why, why, why did you choose me? Moses did this <clears throat> when God chose him to be the arch prophet, when God chose him to go and to, to lead the people. He said, why me? Don't choose me. Um, what is in it for me is the only reason I do something because I'm seeking some personal gain for myself. Again, this is not the mark of a responsible person. A responsible person wants to serve the other wants to serve the whole, wants to serve the church, wants to serve the family, wants to church serve someone else, wants to see someone else as benefiting because of their labor and not just themselves, not just how they personally will benefit. Um, someone else should take care of this. Again, I'm deferring responsibility. Someone else can do it. The church has other people that can do it. I don't need to do it. And the last one is, I do what makes me feel good. What is my motivation for action? It's what makes me feel good. Whatever, whatever I enjoy, whatever I like, that is what I do. If something I don't like it, if it takes too much time, if it takes too much effort, if I'm not benefiting from it personally, then I really don't want to do it at all. Even if it means abandoning a service, even if it means giving up on some other person, I just don't want to deal with it because I'm not personally benefiting from it. So we spoke today about the responsibility um, and being a responsible person. And just as the Lord asked the disciples to be responsible and to work and to serve and to participate in the service with him, and in many, many places, when we read about how he sends the apostles out in order to preach, he wants the disciples and he wants all of us to respond to the calling of God with yes. Yes, I will do it. Yes, it's not about how much work it is. Yes, I will do. If I've been called to serve, I will do. And not only if I'm called to serve, but I see opportunities for service around me. Even the, the things that we as the body of Christ should be doing all the time, it is something, it is my responsibility. It is my responsibility to tithe. It is my responsibility to serve others. It's my responsibility to be involved. It's my responsibility to be a deacon. It's my responsibility to be a Sunday school servant. It's my responsibility to serve in the kitchen. It's my responsibility to, to clean the church. It's it's my responsibility to do everything. It's my responsibility. It's not someone else's. If everyone thinks it's someone else's responsibility, nobody will do anything. And so the Lord asks us to be responsible, and he obviously gives us the greatest example of the responsible person, which is God himself, who left his throne in heaven in order to come to earth and sacrifice himself completely for our salvation, just out of his love not because we deserve it, not because we did anything good in order to deserve this great gift that the Lord gave, but because of the responsibility of God and his feeling of love toward us, 
He was not content to simply stay in heaven while he sees us perishing, but he chose to take an action, and he also asked us to take action. And glory be to God forever. <coughs> glory be to God forever. Amen. Blessed.